live from my man cave in Chesapeake, Virginia, this is MLS Gone Wild. I'm your host, Blake, here to bring you the latest news, rumors, opinions, analytics, interviews, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get it going. Hello and welcome to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 14. This is your host, Blake. On this week's episode of MLS Gone Wild, I am joined by native of Davyton, South Africa, men's soccer all-pac-12 selection for Oregon State, the 28th overall pick in this year's MLS Super Draft, and midfielder for FC Dallas, Siki Nsambalang. Siki, welcome to MLS Gone Wild. Thank you. Thank you, Blake. And thank you to the MLS Gone Wild team. Uh, like you said, my name is Tiki, and I'm excited to be here and to share my story. Man, I can't wait to hear it. But before we get into that amazing journey from South Africa to MLS, one of the best stories in the league, let's get to know you off the pitch. When you aren't training or playing, what do you like to do in your free time? Um, I like to play FIFA and hang out with my uh, friends outside of soccer. That gives me like a peace of mind, you know, to kind of like relax, take myself out of the game for a little bit. But yeah, that's what I do. Are you good at FIFA? Yeah, I'm pretty decent. I'm getting better. I just started my new ultimate team. So yeah, I think I'm getting better. Okay. Who do you got on your ultimate team or who are you trying to get? Um, right now I have Neuer, uh, who's my best player at the moment, but yeah, I'm trying to build a Spanish team. So okay. I'm getting closer to that. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Do you have a favorite Spanish player? Um, yeah, so at the moment, Pedri and, uh, Camavinga, they play, they play well. So yeah, I like them. I like them a lot. I like to watch them. Pedri is the beautiful game personified. That's a good player to enjoy watching. Yes. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Do you have any roommates on the team? Um, no, I live by myself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Favorite song and who controls the ox in the locker room? Uh, I'm going to start with the second one. The guy that controls the ox in the locker room is uh, Khalil Ahmedka. He's a part-time DJ as well. So he knows, he knows how to get us moving. And my favorite song, um, damn, this is a tough one because... I really listen to a lot of music, a lot of rap. So, but I would go a song that's that's really like influential to me. I would say was uh, "Born Sinner" by J Cole. So yes. you say you say you guys get moving in the locker room. I've seen some of the goal celebrations, and you guys you guys boogie down on the goal celebrations. Who's got the best moves? <laughs> uh, who got the best moves? I would say. Um, Kosi Tafari so far, and I think I saw that Scott uh quite some good moves, but I don't think I'm up there too. I can I can move a little bit. Yeah, man, you, you can you can. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Tex Mex spot you've been to in Texas? Ooh, like a food place? Yeah. Not really. I'm just a big olive fan, uh, uh olive garden fan. So yeah, that's it. Okay. I feel yeah. you on that. You're eating healthy, man. You got to eat healthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we try to whenever we get a chance. All right. All right. Is, yes, what, what's your favorite food? Mm, pasta, for sure. Okay, Olive Garden. Yeah, chicken Alfredo. Yeah, that's my go-to. <laughs> Do you have something with you in Texas that always reminds you of home? Uh, there's like, um, there's one specific field in our training grounds. Uh, just because of its quality, I would say it reminds me of home. If you were to write your own autobiography, highlighting your life up to this point, what would you title it and why? Anything is possible because like 
um like i would share uh, in a few minutes but i think like um it's it's like everyone has a different journey you know and sometimes i i i didn't really believe that i was on the right path but i think i just kind of stuck to it so i think like anything is possible is is a good is a good uh title because like 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 it describes itself anything is possible i could have stayed and worked at admin at school but uh things worked out perfectly in soccer so yeah anything is possible man yes it is so let's yeah. press rewind and take it all the way back to where your footballing journey began why soccer what made you fall in love with the beautiful game oh i think like uh from an early age i got introduced to the game by my dad um Rivan Tabelin. um i think he's been a big influence in in me playing soccer and me starting to play soccer because he used to train me as well when I was young. So I think I kind of fell in love with the game as soon as I was introduced to it by my dad. So as I mentioned in the intro, you were born and raised in Davyton, South Africa. So if you would walk us through your life and soccer career in South Africa up until your move to the States. Um, okay, so I started obviously in Davyton um, in a small township team. Um, I think I bounced around a couple of teams before I eventually moved to a more organized um, type of foot, uh, type of soccer at the age of 14, I think. That's when I stopped, um, not necessarily stopped, but moved from playing from gravel to like grass, you know? So yeah, that's what, uh, that was in around 2014, I think. Yeah, that's when I, I started moving to playing uh, more organized football and then from then um, I got an opportunity to be in one of the biggest um, academies in South Africa, Stars of Africa Football Academy um, from uh, 10th grade until um, I graduated from high school and then after I graduated from high school um, because at the time um, I always wanted to go to Europe or abroad and after I graduated uh, high school, it didn't look like anything was coming up in terms of that. So I decided to um, get on uh, school with uh, like, obviously the advice from my parents, uh, like showing me how life would work and how things might turn out. Um, they, they encouraged me to go to school um, and make sure that I have a plan B in case soccer doesn't work out, you know? So I started playing at the University of Johannesburg. Um, yeah, and then I got a scholarship there. I played for, for two years, but within that two years, I had the privilege to play for Kaiser Chiefs and Mamelodi um, Sundowns. So in South Africa, it's a little bit different. Um, I'll try to make you understand uh, real quick. So let's say I play for FC Dallas Academy. I can play for FC Dallas Academy and play for SMU at the same time, if that makes sense. So that's the kind of thing that I was doing, trying to juggle both soccer and my education. And then luckily um, I played well in one of the biggest tournament. It's kind of like the NCAA uh, back, uh, back in South Africa. But yeah, I played in, uh, the, we call it varsity football. Yeah, and then I played in that tournament and luckily, um, the coach from the national team under 20s was there uh, in one of the best games of my life. So from then I was recognized by the national team. And then from then on, man, things started to open up really. 
because from the national team, that's when I got to uh, get to play for uh, a team like Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, that's when they saw me. And that's when I started building a relationship with, with the team. But yeah, from then, um, that, this is around 2016, my first year in, in college back home. So in 2017, things were looking very good. That's when, like I said, I joined Kaiser Chiefs. And then from Kaiser Chiefs, um, I was talking back and forth with um, a guy called uh, Kyle Tim. Uh, back then, he was the assistant coach of Coastal Carolina. So he came up to me and offered me a scholarship. And with the way things were, like I said, um, I felt like, okay, I could get a contract in South Africa, but this is a way bigger opportunity for me, better education and a chance to explore the world, you know. And after a, a discussion with my parents, once again, um, we decided, well, uh, moving to the U.S. Is the, is the best move for me. And then that's when I came to uh, Coastal Carolina with the help of Kyle Tim. Yeah, so Kyle Tim is actually from Johannesburg, South Africa. So there's a little bit of that familiarity. He ended up going to college in America as well. Yes. Did that factor into convincing your parents? Like, I mean, it's got to be hard as a parent, neither you and I are parents, but you were going yes. 8,000 miles away. Granted, you yeah. wanted to go to Europe or you wanted to pursue a professional yeah. career somewhere and it happened to be America. But like, what were those conversations like with your parents? What were the pros and cons? How did you guys weigh the pros and cons of this decision and ultimately say, you know what, this is best for me? Yeah, so um, like my mom was a bit skeptical about it because like she doesn't really understand how like football can work. Like you can move from one country to another in just a matter of weeks or days, you know. But it took some convincing from her side because we explained to her that no, I will still be getting my education, which was very important to her and important to me as well. So yeah, to convince my mom, it was more of the school side of things and making a promise to her that I'm going to get this degree. You know, I'm not just going to go there and just focus on soccer and neglect my studies, but I'm going to go there and make sure I get the degree. And then after I get my degree, then we can start speaking about uh, going uh, pro and stuff. That's what I said to her, but in my mind, it was like, okay, yes, we are going to get this degree, but from the get-go, we are trying to build a profile to make it, you know, because um, Carl Tim actually explained the process to me, like, okay, as an international, it might be a little bit difficult to enter, to, to go into the MLS, you know, um, but I think I was up for the challenge, and yeah, I moved to South Carolina, and uh, that's where it all started. So it sounds like you had your mom on board by promising her the education piece, but you know, you were yes. making this decision at 19 years old. Did you ever have any regrets? Were you scared? Were you nervous about making um, this decision? Initially, no, because um, I was excited to come to the U.S. and excited to, to explore the world. But I must say, once I got here, um, things became tough, you know? Sometimes you get a little bit homesick. Sometimes you like, things are not going your way on the field and like they're going uh, your way in school. But like, you know, sometimes it's like that different balance in, 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 in life, you know, but like, like I said, um, yeah, once I got here um, uh, at Coastal, I had a good time. I had a, a nice time, but I felt like I needed a change in order to, to obviously um, attract um, uh, teams in the MLS or even make a bigger name for myself. 
So I needed a better conference and a better team. And then that's when, um, with the help of Carl team again, um, we decided, uh, me and other two South Africans, uh, to transfer to Oregon State. Yeah, so I'd say your decision to play collegiately in the U.S. paid off pretty nicely. In your time at Coastal Carolina and yeah. Oregon State, you earned accolades on top of accolades, Sunbelt Conference champion, Sunbelt Newcomer of the Year, two-time All-Sunbelt Conference nominee, the list goes on and on, All-Pac-12 first-team selection, All-Far West region first-team, 15 goals, 18 assists, so much to be proud of, Siki. But it, now that you get to look back on that collegiate experience, do you have a favorite moment? Um. I think uh, my best moments were uh, took place in Oregon State. Um, um, I would mention two, to be fair, and I think one of them is like um, the private um, sessions we had with the boys on the side, you know, besides the coach pushing us on the field. But we we also had the edge to, to kind of like uh, make sure we put in the work after practice or even before. And that was a decision made by the players, which really stuck to me because that showed like like we wanted to win and we wanted to be to be better players. And my second best moment was winning the the Pact of Championship, which was the first ever in Oregon State history. Like I said, it connects with the first one because all the hard work we put in, all the sacrifice, all the togetherness in those individual trainings made us better players for us to actually bring it home for Oregon State. So those were my two best moments in college. You bring up the word sacrifice. So I want to round back to your decision to come to America from South Africa. What all did you have to sacrifice when coming here? I mean, I had to sacrifice a lot, like leaving my family back home. That's not easy. You know, sometimes we may look at it and think, okay, it's happening more often, but it's never easy, especially for an individual that's pursuing its goals, you know? Uh, so I think um, I lost a lot of time as well with my with my family. Um, I know there's video calls and stuff, but you know when you when you're with someone with their presence or when they're like 30 minutes away, when you can drive to them, it's it's a little bit easier. But like to sacrifice that, that means I had to make something out of myself, you know, because that's time I will never get back. So. Yeah, I think I sacrificed uh, most of that. And I also sacrificed like um, going out in college. Yes, we need to enjoy and do that. But in certain, when 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 it hits, when shit hits the fan, sorry for my language, but like it's it's important that you, you, you know where you come from. So for me, it was like, okay, this is, okay, there's this, there's this lifestyle in college, but you gotta understand that we have goals that we came up with before we even landed in the UN, in the United States. So we can't neglect that for a little bit of, of, of fun. Yes, we can have fun, but in the right moment, you know? So that's kind of something else that I sacrificed. So we talk about sacrifice. I want to stay on this motivational path for a minute. Yeah. What, what drives you to be great, Siki? It's like trying to, to figure stuff out, you know? I think that makes me a better, a better player, like, if I, I make a mistake, for instance, in a game or in practice, now we have the privilege to, to watch video and watch games uh, uh, as often as you want, you know? So you go back to that, you just look at that, and then you realize that if that's a, a small mistake that can be rectified by just maybe a little bit of training or just like a little bit of 
um, switch of mindset to realize that in this situation, you don't do this. Like for instance, I was a winger in college. So now I moved to the midfield. It's completely different positions, you know? In the winger, you can take more risks and more stuff like that. But in the midfield, you have to be a little bit more reserved, read the game a little bit more. So I think, yeah, just figuring out what works and what doesn't work, I think is what drives me to, to become better. All right, so we talk about sacrifice. We talk about what drives Siki. Author Brian McGill has a quote that reads, end quote, whatever makes you uncomfortable is your biggest opportunity for growth. I'd say that quote applies to your decision perfectly. In what ways, both personally and as a soccer player, were you able to grow from your decision to leave home and pursue a path to pro in the U.S.? I think, um, to be honest, most of my growth came from outside the field, you know, Um, like the different culture here in the U.S. You get to understand certain things that are going on in the world that I wouldn't think I would understand when I was still in South Africa. For instance, the, the dynamics of racism are different here compared to, to South Africa and the rest of the world, you know? So getting to experience that firsthand is like um, a growth that like I can take back home as well to my family or to my friends or to, or to anyone I come across to kind of help them maybe see the world in a, a, in a better perspective. Um, even if it's not my perspective, but to to share like these stories that uh, or things that I've been through that can help them maybe get through something or whenever they get through a challenge, they can, they can uh, overcome it. So yeah, like I said, um, uh, outside the field is where I grew uh, like the most as a person, I think. Yeah, you became uncomfortable. You went 8,000 yes. miles away, away yeah. from everything you've ever known yeah. and you, you chased a dream. So yeah, that's gonna cause you to grow a little bit. Yes, yes, it does. Even if you don't want to, it kind of forces you because you're in that situation, you know? Absolutely. That's And that's yeah. really good. So yeah. on January 11th, you were selected 28th overall by FC Dallas. What were you doing? Who were you with? And how did it feel knowing all your hard work and sacrifice had finally paid off? Uh, on draft day, I was actually, excuse me, with my with my teammates um, because we had... Um, Sofian Jafar, he got drafted by DC United eventually, but like he was projected like top 15 pick in the, in the MLS draft. So uh, with that, he had cameras and stuff. So we were basically there to support him, you know, and it was kind of surprised to see me in the first round. But like I said, yeah, I was with my teammate, yeah, all waiting for, for his name and stuff. It was really nice. But what were you feeling when you heard your name get called, man? I, oh, I know you're happy was, for Sophie on Jafal, but like <laughs> you were drafted before him. They moved, FC Dallas moved yeah, up to get you. What did it feel like yeah. to hear your name get called, man? Yeah, it was really, it was really exciting. I was like, I couldn't believe it for a second, you know, because like I said, I, I didn't um, expect to be picked that soon, you know? So like when everything was kind of announced, I was actually, because you know how drafts are, they take hours and hours. So I, I kind of like walked out for a minute and then as soon as I came in and then I just hear my name, everyone starts cheering and it was one of the most proud of moments of my life, to be honest. I was so happy, man. I'm sure. And, and to be honest, I'm going to be really honest with you right now. So prior to the MLS Super Draft, I was like 
looking up all these collegiate players and I hadn't seen your name, but I saw Sofian Jafal's name and I watched his tape yeah. and the guy jumped off the screen. I'm like, yeah, that guy's a top 15 guy. Yeah. And, then, and then you get picked first. I mean, that's, that's a really cool story, but yeah, what, what was that first phone call? Like with Nico Estevez? Um, he, he was very brief. I think he, he understood that the, the boy was really excited, you know? So he kind of kept it brief, introduced himself and told me like, yeah, he had a, um, a little plan going on for me. And that kind of also got me excited, you know? And, and then straight after that, I was like, I got a call from the GM. I got a call from like the media people as well, you know? So it was, it was really nice to finally um, receive those kind of calls you've been praying for. And then, and then it happened and I was so like, I was speechless. I couldn't even, I was so happy. I couldn't even communicate to Nico. I was just like, yes, I'm excited and stuff. You know, I couldn't really have a conversation with him at that point, but yeah, it was really nice. man. And you should be speechless. I mean, like we said yeah. earlier, you have one of the coolest stories in MLS from South Africa to Coastal Carolina two years and then travel all the way across the country to Oregon State to hopefully yeah. have a better chance of getting drafted. And then you get drafted with the very last pick that is televised during the draft, right? Because yes. two and three, they go just to the app. So yeah. like all that sacrifice that we talked about, like this is a whole circle moment for you. It all comes back full circle. Yes, yes. No, it does. It does. It was it was an emotional moment as well. <laughs> I'm sure. So you briefly talked about Sofian Jafal, and I briefly talked about how good of a player I thought he was. But both of you guys are yeah. obviously great players. You guys have both played big roles for your respective clubs so far this year in your rookie season, which we don't see MLS Super Draft picks do all too often. But what does it say about the Oregon State program that both of you guys were drafted and are playing big roles? Um, I think it says a lot, you know, because Oregon State is actually um, a big in, in like uh, community and stuff like that. So it's actually good to kind of put the school on the map. Um, I mean, like I said, Sofian Jafar is one of the most influential people in my life. Um, to, to, that goes back to, to the sacrifice we were speaking about, all the training we had, you know. And then to see him finally... Um, uh, so to see it pay off through someone else, not just you, it just brings a different feeling, you know, to know that, okay, I was with this guy waking up every morning, talking about these goals and, and, and the aspirations we have. And then now just to see it happen right in front of your eyes, not just for you, though, for, for someone else. That's, that's amazing, man. That's a feeling I can't describe. That's awesome, man. And everybody that's listening out there, you all, everybody that played soccer, everybody that just has a best friend in general, like that's a heartwarming moment that you just shared. Yes. That's, that's really cool. hundred percent. And, and I was going to ask about your guys's friendship and you just hit it right. There. Yeah. That was nah, it's way, it's way deeper than football. That's my brother right there. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of deeper than football on February 26th, with your substitute appearance for Toronto FC, you became the 15th South African to play in MLS. What does it mean to you to represent your native country at, at the highest level of professional soccer in America? No, it means a lot because, you know, there's a lot of talented individuals uh, where I come from, but not, of them, not all of them got the opportunity to be where I am. So I'm representing everyone from South Africa and then I'm going to do my best to make sure that we stay on the map and to keep it going, open the path for, for other future South Africans as well. So let's keep it rolling with another first in your professional career. You netted your first professional goal and your first ever Texas Derby just three minutes after coming on as an 84th minute sub. What do you remember from that play? 
What did it mean to you to get that goal? And how did it feel to wear the cowboy hat after being named man of the match? Uh, it was amazing, man. It was amazing. You know, when you score a goal, the, 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 the fans go crazy. And it was, it was happened to be my first goal. I mean, I played in a, in a Soweto derby back in South Africa, which, which kind of gave me the experience and the dynamics of how like a derby is like and what a derby means. And on the day, I was lucky to be at the right place at the right moment to score the goal. And after I scored, I didn't even celebrate because I, I kind of knew that somehow we're going we're gonna to win this, man. So The job yeah. wasn't done. Yeah, the job wasn't finished. Uh, I had something in me that told me, just get the ball. We're going to get another one. And, and we did. And it was nice to score my first goal and obviously get the big win for the team. I think that was very important, you know, to keep the streak going. So, yeah, it was nice. But what was the locker room like? I think I saw a video and they were, like, throwing you oh. in the air. <laughs> no, it was buzzing, man. It was buzzing. I've never felt something like that in the locker room before, you know. So, yeah, I think, like, the team has been really great to me. Like, even that, that's a little part that shows how much, how much they've been looking after me. And, and I'm really grateful for that, to be honest. So far this season, you've recorded four starts, 10 appearances, and one goal. Pretty solid start to your rookie season, I'd say. And you aren't even playing the position you played when Dallas drafted you from Oregon State. In college, you primarily lined up as a winger. And now, under Nico Estevez, you're playing a box-to-box eight role. How would you describe your style of play? What are your strengths on the pitch? And how have those enabled you to adjust to your new central role? Um, I would start like my style of play is more like I would describe it as unpredictable. Um, a lot of dynamic movements in between, you know. And like you said, I moved from a winger position to a midfield position, which are, are very two different positions where the eight position is more demanding in terms of the physicality and the fitness and stuff like that. And yeah, like moving into the midfield, I think uh, it enabled me to to learn a little bit more about myself as well, you know, because um, yes, I'm not um, as strong as physical, but I can compete and win some balls, which is something that I never thought I really had in me. But after moving into the position where I was kind of forced to actually have to win balls for my team to make them a better, to, to play better. I think I realized that. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, um, a lot less in terms of taking risks in the midfield. You need to know when and how. Like in terms, in, for example, in the build-ups and stuff, I can't be doing a step over like I would in, a, in the opposition's final third, you know? I have to keep it one, two touch easy. And then once we move on higher to the pitch, then that's when you can kind of express yourself, bring your creativity to the team. And I think that's, that's, one of the, that's one of my strengths as well, like being creative on the ball to help the team be in a, in a better position in terms of creating challenges and, and, and scoring goals. So you mentioned earlier when you were drafted on that phone call with Nico Estevez that he said he had a plan for you. When yes. did you find out that the plan was switching you from winger to a box-to-box eight? And like, what was your first reaction to that that switch? <laughs> uh, we actually didn't talk about positions when I when I came in. He he just threw me in the midfield. Surprisingly, I, I was like shocked for a little bit to understand what's going on. But because it was like preseason, I thought maybe some because some of the players weren't in yet. So I thought I was filling up the number and stuff like that. But as preseason went on and on and on, 
And then he started explaining the role of a number eight and how he sees me playing that role. I think it helped me a lot. And he also had, I think also had some patience uh, with me because I can't lie, I was making a lot of mistakes in the, in the beginning in terms of positioning tactically as well. But like with the help of him and the, uh, and the, and the coaching staff and the players as well, the players helped me a lot to adjust to, to the midfield position, you know, so yeah. That 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 shift was actually uh, it was really nice. I'm I'm enjoying the midfield right now. I'd say you can you can tell you're having fun. Yes, so, yes. Leading up to that Houston game and which you scored in, uh, Brandon Cervania started in the opening eight matches of the season, and since yes. your goal, you've started in four of the last five. We spoke a little bit about competition earlier. Talk to me about the midfield competition and how that has pushed you both to be at your very best every day at training. Yes, I think we have a good a good quality side all around, you know, from the back to the front. And I think having that type of competition enables you to to dig deeper as well, to 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 kind of like like I said, find yourself, look more to your strength, improve your weaknesses because you know the guy next to you is also on the top of his game. He's he's, he's also pushing himself, you know. So it's a nice little competition um, that's going on, and I think that helps the team as well. Because as much as we are pushing each other individually, we are playing to make the team look better and play better. So at the end of the day, it's all about the team. And that if, if, if um, that helps the team, then, then it's fine. I'll do anything to help the team. So we talked a little bit about Brandon Cervania, but have there been any players or coaches that have taken you under their wing and helped you with your transition from collegiate soccer to MLS? Oh, yes, I would say uh, Peter, uh, he's the assistant coach at, at, at FC Dallas. He's the one that has been helping me immensely, especially with positioning and like understanding the game a little bit more because he played in the midfield at the highest level. So he he understands what it takes, uh, what you need to improve and stuff like that. So I have conversation with him daily for minutes and minutes, just discussing the game and how how I can get better and how and what he thinks that I could improve and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's, he's really been a big part of me. And also, like, guys like uh, Facundo, uh, they've been helping me a lot. A very experienced player, um, really smart, you know. So I'm kind of picking his brain whenever I can to make sure that I grab as much as I can before he leaves the game, you know. You speak a little bit about improvement. What part of your game have you improved upon most since joining the team? Um, I think my um, ability to win balls, like I said, it can, it, can, it can definitely get better. But I think it's something that I realized that, oh, wow, I can actually do this. And I wasn't really aware of it. So I think I just got to keep pushing myself to make sure I do better. And I also think like in terms of understanding the game a little bit more, because in the midfield, it's more reading the opponent, reading not just the midfielder or the guy next to you, but also the backline, how they behave. Um, I think those are the type of things that I, I've improved in. Because as a winger, all I needed to do or know was, is he right foot, left footed? Is he quick or not? How can I get around him? Does he need skill? Does he or want to, you know? So it's, it's like now I kind of understand the full part of the game in terms of like the build up the defense, what they need to do, how we need to move to unlock or to create certain spaces. So yeah, that's, that's been really nice for me. 
So one thing, just watching your game over the weekend, I really paid close attention to you, obviously, because I'll be interviewing you tonight. One thing I really paid close attention to you was your control in tight spaces. And there were a couple of plays in that game where you brought the ball down out of the air with your feet better than most guys trap the ball when it's passed to them on the pitch. And you bring it down and you get out of tight spaces and you beat a guy or two. Like, where does this instinctual awareness of your surroundings come from? Like, where does that technical ability come from? And how have you developed that? Um, I think part of it, I won't lie, is talent, you know. Uh, but mostly I worked, I worked, I worked on it. Um, like I said, with the, with the trainings we had at Oregon State, doing those individuals training where like the hard balls are passed to you. Um, like for example, a simple exercise, like juggling the ball, kicking up in the air and try to control it, things like that. If you do it constantly and you repeat day in, day out, eventually you're bound to get better regardless. So yeah, I think um, training and part of it was, was talent uh, that I, was, I got blessed with and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, you're, you're a technician in there. And another part yeah. of your game I really enjoy is your progressive dribbling, beating a guy and, and progressing the ball that way through the midfield, breaking the lines with the dribble. I, I, I've really enjoyed watching you do that this year. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I think, like I said, that comes from the winger perspective that if I eliminate my man, then, you know, the, the team would be in a better position. So if I can do that as much as possible, of course I would. Uh, goals for the rest of the season. What are you trying to accomplish this year? Uh, this year, I'm obviously trying to um, be a regular starter in the team and obviously get a couple of goals and assists. I think eight goals and probably five assists would be pretty fair. Oh, baby, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> eight yeah, and five, so all right. <laughs> those are the type of goals i have for 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 this rookie season to see how it pans out but yeah i'm really excited to see how that will go hey man keep making keep making those late arriving runs into the box you guys you got guys like paul Ariola, <laughs> obrian yeah. and jesus Ferreira out there things are bound to bounce out at the at the six or at the pk spot so keep making those runs you'll get eight yeah uh, appreciate it man appreciate it i will definitely do it <laughs> What's it like playing with those guys? You know, we got a World Cup year, USMNT. A lot of a lot of fans will be listening to this podcast. You got Jesus Ferrer, Paul Ariola on your squad. What's it like playing with those guys? Oh, these guys are really talented individuals, but most importantly, they're professional, you know. And besides their status and everything, they're really humble, humble human beings. And part of it for me to adjusting well is having those guys, you know, having those big name guys helping like helping you adjust, having conversations with you to try to make you understand the, the level a little bit more. And I think it's a privilege to play with those guys because, wow, as we can all see, they, they do it week in, week out, you know? So they deserve where they need to be. And I think they're going to do well in the World Cup as well. Yeah, so yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud and grateful to be part of their team. Actually, our team, I should say, and to play alongside them to to share all these beautiful moments with them is just amazing. If you get eight goals and five assists out of the box-to-box eight spot, that's your team, Siki. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> all right. Any closing thoughts for FC Dallas fans that might be listening? Um, I mean, to all the FC Dallas fans and uh, to everyone that supported me, thank you so much. Um, it can only go up from here. Please keep supporting us, especially FC Dallas. 
Um, I think we're going to do something great this season, but we're going to obviously need your support. So, yeah, and to all the young ones, make sure you work hard. Um, keep at it. Whatever you do, don't lose sight of your goal and make sure you, you stay disciplined. I love that. So I opened up the episode by asking why soccer? And I want to close yeah. this off with the spinoff of that question. How much fun are you having playing the game you love for a living? Oh, it's amazing, man, to come up, to wake up every morning knowing that you're going to train in the best field possible with the best players that you can at that moment. It's really amazing. And for me, it's it's really a dream come true. I've always dreamt of, of, of moments like this and like living this type of lifestyle, you know. And I remember um, a few weeks back, um, I was walking out to, to the practice field and for some reason, as I was walking, uh, it hit me like, you're actually now a professional, you know? You just woke up, you came here, you clocked in, now you're going to training. And after that, you got something else to do. I mean, that's that's the dream for me and I'm enjoying it. Eat, sleep and breathe football. You're living yes, man. That's what it is, man. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, Siki. Well, you got a fan in me. Thanks for hopping on MLS Gone Wilds podcast, and I can't wait to watch your guys' game this weekend. Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Blake, and it was nice talking to you. You're really an amazing person, man. All right, CQ, I appreciate that, and you're amazing as well, man. Like I said, you got a fan in me. I can't wait to watch you develop throughout this year, and I can't wait to watch your career blossom after 2022. Uh, it sounds good, man. Thank you so much. Listeners, thanks for tuning in to MLS Gone Wild Season 4, Episode 14, featuring FC Dallas midfielder Siki Ensembleng. Be sure to tune into his match this weekend as FC Dallas travel to Orlando City in a clash of top 10 teams. Until next time, take care of yourselves and one another. And remember the name, Siki Ensembleng. Peace. Yeah.